Welcome to the Sendcast. My name is Dale Pickles. I'm the Managing Director of B Squared and the host of the Sendcast. We started the podcast a few years ago to help improve knowledge around SEND. There is lots of stuff to read, but we're all very, very busy. We created the Sendcast to try and help support schools. But the Sendcast is also a great way to get the same information to schools and parents. Every week on the Sendcast, I have a different guest on that has come along to talk about a topic they are passionate about. In this episode, my guest is Aaron Smith. Aaron is severely dyslexic, but he doesn't let this stop him. He is director of the Send Group, amongst many other activities. And today we'll be discussing using tech with students and how to use technology to remove barriers. Now, before we get started, I'd like to remind you about B Squared. Over the last 25 years, we have supported schools to support students with SEND. Our assessment products are used in over 15,000 schools around the world to help show small steps of progress, with around 1,700 using Connecting Steps, our assessment software. Our evidence system, Eversense, helps schools capture and share the achievements their pupils are making, and our online CPD offering, Training for Education, started a couple of years with a virtual SEND conference, but now includes a range of training courses as well as our conferences. If you want to find out more about B Squared and how we can help your school, go to our website, which is www.bsquared.co.uk. There's lots of information available and you can book a completely free online meeting to find out how we can support you. Let's get on with the podcast. In this week's show, we are discussing using technology to remove barriers to progress and to help students prepare for their future. My guest is Aaron Smith, who was diagnosed at the age of nine with dyslexia and has gone to work in a variety of jobs, including youth work, retail and the not-for-profit sector. Aaron has worked with a dyslexia, in the dyslexia sector for over 15 years. He is the chairman of the Leicestershire Dyslexia Association and has previously worked and volunteered for the British Dyslexia Association. He is also a dyslexia and SEND consultant for Microsoft. He has also launched the Dyslexia Show, which finally happened this year. And as you can tell from this very long list, he hasn't felt his dyslexia has held him back. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Thank you very much, Dale. Good to be back. It is. It's been, you are one of, I think you were the first at guests, weren't you? I, th- I think I was probably the third, I think. It first was. of all, yeah. I think it was the third third podcast you'd done, and that's and we and we came down to the old office. It was, uh, and uh, I was very very impressed with the shiny bit of kit. That you oh, got. I do like my shiny bit of kits. Lots yeah. of excuses. I, I say we both love tech. We do, yeah. My tech hasn't moved on in the well. No, I've got a new monitor. Yeah, you've got a new school. monitor, and, and you use and and the arm that you're holding up with it looks quite cool. I like. That. It is, it is, yes. It's, it's not designed for that, but it does do its job. So me and Aaron both love tech. Aaron has come down to our office today to record a session. For our virtual send conference or training for education, which has happened in May, this will this episode will come out much after. But Aaron just said to me, "Let's record a podcast," and we've actually spent the last two hours just talking tech about everything. So we obviously love tech. We've previously done an episode around technology with Jenny Bootman about improving tech, reducing workload for teachers. But on this one, I want to talk about tech for students. So. You're obviously dyslexic, so you avoid writing, as we all do. Yeah, you don't need to write. You have this thing called dictation. It works perfectly fine for you. <laughs> yes, yes, thing. And when we talk about writing, in our assessment, we moved away. In our assessment, we tried to move away from the term 
written, and we try to use the term spontaneous communication and recorded. Because mm-hmm. this is a spontaneous, but when I write this all down, I'm thinking about it, I'm reordering it, I'm correcting it, making it clearer. That's a written, there's a load of two different sets of skills. Yeah. But for some people, you do it the same way. So you obviously, as you said, you have a conversation, but you dictate. I do, yeah. Yeah, just dictate, that's the thing. I think dictation to me was a revolution. I started using Dragon properly probably around 20, I'd say about 2020, 2014. The Dragon is? Dragon is probably the probably the most well-known dictation product out there. It's a paid-for product. Uh, Dragon, naturally speaking, it's been around for many years. It's owned by Nuance, uh, which recently just got bought by Microsoft. Uh, Nuance Communication, actually based uh, not far away from you. We're based in Marlow. Okay. Yeah, so uh, not so not far away from you. They created a piece of technology that basically converts spoken language, speech to text, and that's what's done. But it does a lot more. Dragon does things like um, controls your computer, controls your mouse. It does transcription services. It does. It's then the APIs go into healthcare. It's just it's a huge product uh, and does a lot of things. And but it's brilliant from a dyslexic point of view. Created probably for them, the concept of it was created back many years ago when you've had that concept of say a secretary writing for the law firm and that's where it comes from it kind of, that that was the original thing you re- record it into your, your dictaphone or your voice recorder there on a little tape they then put it in put their foot down and they listen to it but it then went on to having internal or local ai do it for you and that's what dragon is it's a local base it's a local install product and it uses your local resources where now we use cloud-based resources so even your your smart speakers, your your digital assistants like the Alexas, the Googles, and even Siri all use AI technology, which is cloud-based dictation. Uh, originally, Siri uh, was part of Nuance, and it was a Nuance product, but then they moved their own API. So uh, Apple moved that. So it kind of is, the concept's been around a long time, but it's just got something better. And for people in education, dictation in Microsoft is free. Yes. <laughs> That's the most, to me, it's like, okay, let's use it. And yeah, we can say there is dictation in Google as well. To me personally, it's not as good. I, I have tried it. I don't like it as much. And, and that's a personal opinion. I, I, as you've said, I work for Microsoft part-time as a contractor, as their dyslexia consultant. So I've kind of grown up using that product for the past five years. And for me, it's the only thing I use. I don't, I don't use Dragon as much as I used to. I, I, it's on my computer when I need it. But for me, I'm in Word, I'm in Outlook, I'm on Word Online, just press the dictation button and it converts what I'm saying into text. If I speak slowly enough, and as a typical dyslexic, I just do this thing called verbal diarrhea and just keeps talking. So, but it's good yeah. fun. I always like it when you, every so often you, like you hit something on your phone and you're saying you're talking and you look down at your phone and it's written everything you've said minus half the words. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if you're not, you're not concentrating, that's the thing. So you've got, to, yeah, you've got to slow your speech down. Yeah. But that's one's interesting because I always found with writing um, back in school, my hand could never keep up with my head. Yeah, that, that's true. You see, that, that's, that's the thing. When you say you have a learning difference like dyslexia, the concept of writing is like six or seven different things. You've got to, A, think of the word, think of the spelling of the word, decode the word in your head so you can handwrite the word. You've then got to send the signal down to your hand to grip the pen or grip the pencil in the right way and then form the letter to write the word. And by the time you've done all that, that's about six or seven steps. You've forgotten what you're doing anyway. So it gets quite difficult where we naturally speak. 
So the two things that we do, we naturally hear, we naturally speak. That, that's, that, that's kind of built into our DNA. We teach people to write and read. Yes. And that is the thing where, and, and when you think about it, writing and reading are the things that people find difficult when it comes to dyslexia. Not all dyslexic, but I, for my dyslexia, I class myself as a severely dyslexic adult with a reading age of a nine-year-old, a spelling age of an eight-year-old. We don't normally look at spelling age and reading ages now, but that's the best way I describe it because I'm 38. I don't read automatically. Uh, I'm looking at your kit and I'm trying to remember, and I think it's Ryobi, you know, I think I've got it right, I'm trying to decode the word and remember what it was. I know. Uh, it was, I think when you came here last time, you sort of said to me, I don't read, I've never read the B squared name. I just look at squares and know it's a speed. You're, oh, it's B squared here. Great. Yeah. Oh, and I just know that, that, that your, your logo hasn't really changed. You've used squares, which is good. Yes. Uh, and you have a single letter. So it's easier. <laughs> it is. And it's blue. The, the blue thing. Is, yeah. That thing. Uh, and I finding your new office, it was like, ah, look, there it is. It's a B, and then there's a space. Squared, yeah, it's got a Q in it. It's got an S and a Q. That's squared to me. That's, that's good enough. And that's the thing. I think there are so many things you can, I'm going to say cheat. <laughs> I, I don't, I, I'm is going to it, use the word levelling the playing yes, field. Yes, I'm going to say cheat because you've got this, but actually you don't have to do this hard reading. You don't have to no. read the word square. You can, you know, yeah, that looks a bit like it. And we do this so much mm. in life. Yep. outside of school oh, we, massively, yeah. we we don't have so um in the office we have a couple of people who love making notes on paper yeah it keeps them organized they make the notes they write things down they lose where they're up to they'll write this thing that i'm fully digital and that's the thing i like about our company and our work is each person finds their way and they get to do so, it so let me ask you a question are you yes. are you just a uh an iOS note person, or are you a OneNote person? Or are you a, an Evernote person? Um, I, I tried to use OneNote and just found it a bit odd and unorganized, which okay. is actually there's a load of organizing stuff. So yeah. I just like, and it, I've learned my head works a certain way. Yeah. So I looked at OneNote and I was like, yeah, no. But I think the main thing I had, it was the syncing issues. If you create a note, it wasn't here. It didn't always sit. How long ago did you do it? It was quite a while ago. And that's the thing. So now, yeah, like I, without OneNote, I couldn't do my job. But what I do is I use um, notes on my iOS device and my phone. Yeah. But I'm using notes from Exchange on my iOS device. Oh. So curveball, you didn't mention that no, one. No, no, no. So if you have an iPhone yeah, and you use uh, Office 365, when you make notes, you can have the choice of to store that note on that phone, which sticks it in the Apple Cloud, yeah. or you can stick it in Exchange. And so I, I do it in Exchange and I make my notes. And that means when I go into Outlook, there's my note. Yeah. Shall we say that Exchange is a word that we don't really hear now in the tech Oh, world? Exchange. You're, yes, your Office 365. So yeah. Exchange is, the world runs on Exchange in a different name. Yeah. Yeah, it's exchange like, is an email client for those that don't know. Yeah, it, it runs all your emails. It's the world lives. It's like, you heard, have you ever heard of Cisco? No. Your life would not exist in the way you live it without the word Cisco. Yeah. Never heard of them. But you use them every day. Yeah, that's right. It's just certain, yeah, certain tech is hidden, but we use it. But yeah, so I'm a notes because I like yeah, one note for one thing. Yeah. I generally don't have tabs or anything going on in a notebook. Generally, I make one note for one thing, and then I'll come back. I'll make another note. Generally, it's like a Chinese takeaway order. Yeah, yeah. No, I can understand that. I think. I think the one thing you want to look at is look at the Remarkable Two. The Remarkable Two is a digital device. I've seen this. Right, yep. Which is basically it, it's literally as thin. It's it's thinner than an iPad, 
uh, and it literally is, it's got a pen and it feels like writing on paper, but it's a screen. So it's very much like... It's like a, a writing Kindle. Yes. It's like, exactly like the original Kindle. Yes. It uh, syncs to the cloud. Uh, it's really good. You can get it on access to work now, which is really good. So if you're in, if you're in, in employment, you can get it. So that's really useful to know. But it is just an amazing device. I, I ha- I've played with it. I can't wait to get it. I can't. I keep, I see Remarkable 2 comes up on my Facebook feed. Yeah, it does on mine as well, and that's the thing. So, so. Problem, the problem that I don't like about it is it still involves the handwriting yeah, part. Yeah, that's and, the thing. But I think what I think like is, is, yeah, you can draw and you can doodle. But the thing is, is we all find our own way. We do. Your way of doing it, my way of doing it. Oh, it's going to be different. It's going to be completely different. And, and that's where tech becomes really important within education because you have to know more things like you mentioned the show dyslexia show the fact that the, the the kind of motto for the show is an informed choice you've got to have multiple bits of tech there or multiple bits of multiple people there doing the same thing so people can make an informed choice it's the same with technology it is in in the conference that we did that we recorded earlier i talked about two leaning experts with text to speech which is claro and Textile. they're very different products but they're very similar products and some people like one and some people like the other. I'm a Claro person through and through. I've used it for many years because I like the simplistic toolbar. I like Textel for some of its features, but I don't like the bar because it's a bit busy for me. And that's my personal view. But Somebody who might like control yeah, might like that. That's exactly right. And that's the thing. But if, if someone said to me, what, what would I put into my secondary school? Put that in. Put Textel in through and through because it's, it has a lot of features for secondary age children and for college children, students even. It's really good. Where for, uh, for primary, let's put Claro S in because it's simpler and easier. Or you don't want to pay for it, just use Microsoft because it's all free, it's all built in. That's the thing you mentioned about, I said about I use OneNote, but it was ages ago, you've got to check. And that's one of the things that nothing ever sits still in the tech world. No. And one thing I love about the moving from Office 95 and Office 97 and Office 2000, you bought a product and it stayed the same. Yeah. Now with Office, sorry, not Office 365, it's now Microsoft 365 is the official terminology as curated by Microsoft. Microsoft 365, which is Office 365 and more. Yeah. Um, It's a subscription, which is slightly annoying. uh, If you're not a business user, if you get it, Um, but schools get it free. Correct. So 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 schools get the online version for free. So let's be very, very, very oh, clear. Cool, cool, yep. Yep, so you get, anyone can have things like your email, so exchange, your email, your calendar, and then you get you get Teams and all the features online. So Word Online, Excel Online, PowerPoint Online. But the benefit of that is, is that Microsoft is a cloud-first, mobile-first company. So all the new things, so things like in PowerPoint, you've got uh, closed captions and subtitles. Yes. You've got, present coach that allows you to present and, and gives you feedback. If you're saying in, in, in inclusive words or you're going um, too much, or you're saying the word basically too many times. The, the story about that is the guy that created it. The reason they created it is because the, the senior manager used to say in his presentations, basically every other sentence. And so if you say the word, basically it picks it up straight away. You can't say it more than once. And it tells you off really cool. But it's really good from a student point of view because it's teaching that student how to present. That is brilliant, but it's all free. That's and, even more brilliant. And that's the thing, all this is all free. And like Reading Progress and Reading Coach has just come out, well, came out, uh, Reading Coach came out September 2021. Uh, Reading Progress came out March, no, sorry. Reading Progress came out 2021, September. 
Reading Coach came out March 2022. Um, and these are tools all about reading, about how to support reading, how to get, like, understand if people are mispronouncing stuff. And then also Reading Coach, which teaches children to read, like breaking down words and like the word atmosphere, atmosphere, break it down so you can listen to it and then say it and basically get a, a gra- get that, that conversation, that, 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 uh, that tick saying it's there. That's all free as well. But it's when you want that desktop client, that's when you have to pay for it. No, but the thing is, I think even now with desktop, because if you ha- open a document in Teams, it opens up the browser version anyway, Correct. so you've got it most of there. But what I like about it, if you, whatever version you have, if you have the desktop version or you just have the online version, it updates now as part of Windows. Yeah, it's, a, it's, part of, it's an update process. So the concept is that we, anything new that comes out gets updated because you're paying for a subscription. So, and, and I loved it. I, was, I went to a, a, a PowerPoint and it went, would you like to turn closed captions on? I was like, what? Would you like to close caption? I went, well, I've got to play with this. And I clicked on it and I start talking in my print. And then my, the title, subtitles are coming up yeah. live. Just from AI listening to me, sometimes, especially in the world of SEND, yeah. acronyms are a nightmare. Well, massively, yeah. But I'm literally watching this and I could deliver this. And again, any person can turn them on or off. Yeah. So when we're obviously face-to-face, PowerPoint, not the most useful. But if we're all over Teams, yeah. or something, this is genius because some children can turn them on. Yeah. You can record meetings. Correct. And it's in there. And Aaron was telling me earlier, I might get this wrong, he'll correct me, that if there's then a conversation in his Teams meeting, yeah. so I'm delivering my PowerPoint and Aaron asks a question, it will identify that Aaron is a different person. It'll work out who you are yeah. through wizardry. Yeah. And it will put, if you have the pictures in, which you probably won't in school, but it'll put Aaron's some, initials some, on. Some, 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 teachers, schools. some schools do it, yeah. Um, it'll put, so say that Aaron's asked this question and, it, yeah. it'll put, and then you can answer. Yeah. And it is... That's just amazing. Yeah, tra- tra- that's, that's the power of transcriptions. And again, it's using the concept of speech to text. And speech to text, this is why speech to text just goes on to that next level from where we said it was like literally like originally someone was typing it to now using AI to actually deliver it. And being able to listen to accents, being able to listen to, to uh, the way that we speak and identify who it is, is actually really powerful. And the thing with Teams is, is that Teams knows that you're logged in. So yeah. that's that, that's one that, that's the easy job. It knows okay. This is this, we know that the, there's audio coming from Dale's computer. There's audio coming from Aaron's computer. We know who's speaking. So actually, it's okay. It's when you then get it with one microphone or two microphones how it does it. That is coming, and we saw it back in two, 20, two, 2009, No, no, twenty nineteen. It was uh, build twenty nineteen. Microsoft then showed that off, and uh, and I said to you. Uh, I was running around the house like ecstatic. My wife turned on subtitles on the TV and I went, yeah, but that's typed by a person. This is done by AI. And this is the thing that we don't see it. When we, when we, when we ask our Alexas or our Google Homes a question, it's got to convert it to text for the programming language to work. It cannot, listen, it cannot use that audio. It has to convert it first. And that's the thing. But AI just... That, that that kind of concept of text to speech and then speech to text before sits in. So uh Microsoft did this thing uh a few years ago. Uh it was it was around the time of Halloween and Universal Studios do this thing called the Scare Maze. And what they did was they used the technology of speech to text and text to speech for you to when you came in you asked you it asked you a question what your name was. 
And as you went round, it uses it used the Microsoft um, Azure scanning device, which I can never remember the name of, to actually work out where you were and basically identified you. And every time you got to the screen, it said, hello, your name. Uh, and it was fascinating. So Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, went through it. And it was just, to me, technology is changing the world. The pandemic has had a lot of effect on technology. But I think we'll use Lorraine Peterson's comment. We still have a 21st century intake of students to a 19th century education system. And we haven't really moved on enough. I think that some schools are there, but they're still like, you know what? I like to go back to this thing of printing a bit of paper out where technology is just moving on. I think that is, is if we think, if we jump back to 1960, you'd see a classroom, you'd yep. see a blackboard. Correct. In the 90s, we went to pen-based whiteboards. Yes. And then in the 2010s, I'm going to say, we went to interactive whiteboards. Yeah. But that's all that's really changed. It's just yeah. a, generally, we haven't really changed much in the actual classroom. We're no. still being generally taught from the front. It's just a simpler thing. We're doing learning in the same way. Um, and if we, you talked about photocopying. Yeah. Is, um, and I know um, uh, John, who works here, his wife Emma's a teacher, and she has to prepare resources for different pupils and yeah. adapt it. It's this size font for that child and that. Like, why not do it in? digitally yeah then each person's computer will do the adaption that person and that, needs and this is the thing and the thing that i always get told was so I, i'm going to a school and i can deliver a session about microsoft 365 all the accessibility features all these cool things that are all free and available to people tomorrow and they'll come back and say devices cost too much money and they'll say and then they'll also come back and say a chromebook is 200 quid and i'll go yeah but a chromebook doesn't have touch chromebook has a piece of software that's really old Chrome OS is old. This is my personal opinion, of course. Not, <laughs> not of any company that I work with. But what I can say, though, is Microsoft announced last year, so in 2021, they announced the Microsoft Surface SE, which is a pure education device. Um, it doesn't have touch, but it is a laptop. It has a USB and a, a USB A and a USB C, so it can do, you can plug another monitor into it. It's lightweight, durable, but it's fully repairable. You can take it to bits and end it. So from an IT point of view there. So you know how much a Surface device costs, don't you, Dale? Roughly, yeah. yeah. How much do you think it costs? You're not going to tell me it's a similar price to a Chromebook, are you? Yeah, it's 229 quid. Right. But that's only education. Only education. So you can't get it as a parent. So you, the next device you can get as a parent is probably a Surface Go, which is about £350, plus the keyboard, which is £99. But that is fully touched, fully inkable. And that's the thing where you've got to kind of understand what it is. So I've got schools that will be laptop type devices no touch will be perfectly fine for them uh i can talk about the unicorn school which is one of the schools that i help uh, i help within my microsoft job we move them from being a just having teachers online and having email addresses to moving to teachers and students having email addresses moving to microsoft 365 moving to teachers having surface uh, surface pros for each of them have removing interactive whiteboards and just having displays with interact with surface adapter which means they were casting from the little device the 12 inch device 12.5 be exact drawing on there but then being able to be interactive because how you were saying about teachers sitting there standing at the top of the classroom what they're doing now is they're doing that bit then what they're doing is they're then taking their device because it's got all round back all day battery life they can go and sit next to a student and do the say they're doing a math problem they can do the math problems again 
Now, Unicorn then went the next stage and went, you know, we like inking so much, we're going to go with Surface Go, which is the tiny little tablet, 10-inch tablet, and it's just easy to use, lightweight, and it just changes that child's life. But but the benefit of all Surface devices from an accessibility point of view is, is three or four things. So, A, they've always got a dual microphone. They've always got a microphone array, and that means there's two microphones picking up sound, so dictation is better. You've then got stereo speakers, again, for listening to text. You have the adaption to plug in headphones for a normal headphone jack on on all the devices. I think there's one that doesn't have it now. But it still means you can use a headphone jack, so that's useful. Um, and even now, they've got an extra. So you've got a keyboard in front of you. Look at the F and J keys. What's on the F and the J keys? Uh, your two little um, um, touch typing yeah, markers. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So they're designed for blind people, right? Now, but can if you were blind, right, and you'd have to count how many... How many keys up to get to your F keys? So Microsoft has now put on, I think it's the F8, F4. They've put two dots on it. So, ah, okay. so that's on all new Surface devices. And then on, on a number of them on the on button that's on the keyboard, that's normally where the delete key is, they've also put a little mark on that. You know what that is. On top of that, what got announced in 2021 is they've now created the Surface Adaption Kit, which basically means it's got loads of little stickers that you can stick on things like your power cable put a round strip around your power cable that's got either got a, a kind of a either it's like a braille feel it's not braille and you put the matching one where you're going to put your power cables then you know that them two match together uh you can put like a round circle for your on button uh for the surface studio sorry not surface studio for the surface uh pro you've got a kickstand you can have a thing that helps pull the kickstand out because it is quite tight because you need to hold the device up uh you've got a way to put it on a on a lanyard on, a, on like on that kind of thing it is just the reason why I really enjoy working for Microsoft is because accessibility is at the core of everything. Although this is sounds, this podcast probably just sounds like an advert for Microsoft. The, I, I, I am fascinated, and it's nice to hear that. And you see lots of things in the world. You see lots of companies um, not supporting disabled people of various in various ways. Um, Amazon did a great advert for their Alexa um, mm. asking, it was, uh, what's the weather today? And you're going, look, you're standing in front of a window, and then it's because they're blind. Yeah. And it's that accessibility and that removing barriers yeah. is huge. I-, I want your listeners to go to, the, go to a Barclays Bank cash machine, right, and look on the right-hand side of it, and you'll see there's a jack socket with a button. It means you can plug headphones in. So if you're blind or you have partially sighted, you can plug your headphones in, press the button, and text speech just works on the on the device. And actually, you'll find again, there'll be you'll find on the keypad there'll also be there'll be dim uh, like markers markers so you can feel it. And that's the thing you see is that we don't see accessibility when we look at accessibility. We think of your your adaptions, things like a scanning pen, an all cam read, or all cam learn as it's now called, or or a piece of braille, or a braille reader, or or a wheelchair. Or a piece of software. That is what people see. We don't see that actually a sat-nav is actually an accessibility tool. Cloud storage is an accessibility tool. Alexa, Google Home are accessibility tools because they allow us to do things and put us on that level playing field. Yeah, and especially, yeah, so many things. And I I love home automation. So, And there are things that you can do so which make life so much easier. But... Yeah, I'm loving the fact that Microsoft are really pushing um, accessibility. And it's not just in the office world. They do it with their games consoles. Yeah. There's, 
They've, they've, I believe Microsoft actually have a team who will make specialist controllers. Yeah, so Microsoft created, ooh, it was a good number of years ago, uh, the accessible, um, the Xbox adaptive controller. So this is a device where you, if you are a wheelchair user, you normally use switches and senses, and they are used by a jack, a normal three and a half inch jack. That's, yeah. That's how they adapt. Uh, them, them switches are normally about 50 pound each, give or take what they are. So Microsoft's creating an adapter that Bluetooth to your Windows 10, Windows 11, or Xbox, and an iPad, and allowed you to basically take all the things from your normal Xbox controller, so your D-pad, your, your letter pad, your, uh, your joysticks, your, 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 your paddles on the back, and basically give them a separate button. Yeah, and if you search online uh, on, on on any video platform, uh, you can search you search for Xbox Adaptive Control advert. You'll find the advert of these four kids. They've all got different difficulty differences. Um, they're all physical differences, uh, and they just use and they just game in together. Um, but even from a software point of view, they created Copilot in Xbox, so you can have two people playing one game. Yeah. So basically, you can copilot. So say that you're, you can use your thumb to press or you're, you can use your, uh, your first finger to use the trigger button on a shooting game. Yeah. That's all you can do, but you need someone to use the joypad to move. You can't really have someone over you, but what you can do is you can use, uh, um, I've just forgotten the name of the software. I just said it. Copilot. Copilot. Thank you. Uh, uh typical dyslexic. That's not having a conversation and like, Ooh, I've forgotten that. It's because I looked at your memory card and shiny thing that's on the floor. <laughs> um, but anyway, so we we get we, you can use that, and that, and someone else can be using the copilot and being the being the person that drives. Um, for for me, it's I, I saw before I worked for Microsoft, I watched Microsoft very closely. So back in 2016, I I went to Bet, and I love I love the Bet show as an event. And I was there when I worked for the British when I worked for the British Dyslexia Association, and uh, my role was to basically get people to come to our international conference. Uh, so I'm cheeky. I'm, I'm okay to go on to the Microsoft stand, find the head of marketing and say, do you want to support this event? And the answer probably would be no, and it might not bother, but if you don't ask the question, it was there. Now, I was really happy that I got on the stand. There was a guy called Michael who used to be uh, the product manager for uh, secondary education, no, for higher education. Now, I'd met him the year before, had a long conversation about dyslexia, and he remembered me. Remember my name was written on my badge. He went, Aaron, you need to come and look at this. And I met a guy called Mike Tholson. Now, Mike Tholson is a veteran Microsoft programmer, been with Microsoft for many years. He mentioned Exchange. He, he wrote uh, Outlook Online. He wrote versions of Outlook. He wrote, um, he wrote OneNote. He did OneNote Class Notebook. He's done lots of things. But he created a, a, this idea, which was a hackathon called Immersive Reader. And immersive reader is this tool that reads out loud, that does text-to-speech with synchronized highlighting. You can change the background color. You can make the spacing of text bigger and smaller. You can also click on a word, and it gives you a picture dictionary, the word. And he made this, and it won the hackathon. So in 2016, he showed me this. It was a plug-in to OneNote. And I went in 2016, well, that's quite good. I don't know any school that uses OneNote, as you would have said earlier. Yeah. yeah. I went, looks really good. I like it. You know what? It's not going to change the world. I was wrong because then the following year I went back to bed and he's not got this little tiny table showing off on a little surface. He's doing two talks a day at bed about it with an independent school, which is a dyslexic school. 
the following year, he's doing two talks a day. Plus then the head of accessibility for the UK is there doing a talk. And now you're seeing that actually that Microsoft is really taking accessibility forward. And that's because of the CEO, Satya Nadella. Satya uh, has a son with cerebral palsy. Sorry, had a son with cerebral palsy. Unfortunately, he passed away. Zane passed away early in 2021, uh, 2022, sorry. Uh, and he has a daughter also with cognitive so that's talked about in his book, Hit Refresh. So that's where the reference is for it. But he understands that people have a DNI lifestyle and disability inclusion lifestyle. So we have to find ways to support it. And that's where we change it. And I always like looked at uh, uh, other companies like Apple. Apple is a prime example. Apple have had a, a um, assistive technology built into their products for many, many years. Yeah. The problem is they don't talk about it. No. And that is the issue. I, I remember watching a keynote now I, and I, we had a conversation about about Apple and how I'm. I used to be a massive Apple fan. iPhone, Apple Watch, loved it. It's all a bit samey to me at the moment, but it, it, I like the product. But that's, I, most tech hasn't really. We haven't had a huge revolution in tech. We've we've we're moving on, but I think accessibility is where it is, it is really yeah, changing. Is. And and this is the thing you see when when you used to look five or six years ago in the AT world, we saw a lot of evidence of change everything from like a page turner to to a to a portable scanner to to the live scribe pen live scribe pen was an was an amazing product uh, it's still out there it's just not as well used that was a pen that basically you handwrite it in a book which had dots on the page but you press the record button and it recorded your audio but when you stop talking when you stop uh, writing if you press the play button and tapped where you were writing, it would go to the audio bit that was written there. So if you wrote, the, if you just draw a picture of a house, and you're talking about, I know, doctors or something like that, it would then start reading it back what you what was said. Um, it's an amazing product was out there. Uh, it, it is still there, but it's not as it's a little bit ch it's changed because technology has gone on and and that company and companies change, of course, to do. But so AI is uh, AI and AT or assistive technology has is changing the world. It is, and we just have to think about it. And when we look at education, we need people to use it earlier on. Like for me, like I, I I remember when I was in year seven, no year nine, got my first laptop, black and white screen, right, two batteries, massive long charging cable. Always had to sit at the back of class because that's where the only socket was. Um. And I had this product called IBM Speak. And you had to speak into it. You had to speak these four words five times. No, five words four times. And I got to know these words off by heart. But any noise in the background, it would not work. Now, I can use dictation in my office with my headset on, with my wife on the phone, with my colleague packing boxes, and it will still dictate 95% accurately. That is that is brilliant because that's the thing I've heard lots of people say is we can't use um, voice to um, speech to text because it's in a noisy classroom or things like that. The microphone technology, oh, microphone technology. has gotten so good now, and also with the AI ability to filter out noises yeah. and go, that's the noise I'm listening to. Yeah, which is which is just we we take it for granted they can do that because yeah. as humans, I can I've got all these noises going on, but I can focus on the person I'm talking to. We can do yeah. That. And AI can do it. AI can can AI used to be dyslexic in one sense because they couldn't filter out the noise. Yeah. Now, now AI AI's learned to not be dyslexic. That's kind of a weird, a weird acronym. But there is a concept there that actually I find noise really hard to filter out, but my computer can do it. 
And that's the benefit it is to, to things. And it's like, there's always a solution, right? Like people said to me, we can't use Dragon, right? And I, and I say to them, why can't you use Dragon in a classroom? I say, well, it doesn't work. It doesn't pick it up very well. And I went, okay, how did you train it? And I said, well, I trained it in the little SEM room when no one else in there. Okay, go and train it in the classroom. Train it with the noise. Train, train with the it. noise because then it's, then it's understanding because that's using, remember, that's using local resources, not cloud resources. And that's the difference. It is. And I always tell people, you've got to speak clearly and fluently, not too fast. And then you'll you'll get a, a decent you'll get a decent result. I I do a demo uh, on on my free training, um, and I say I'm a, I am a hypocrite because when I dictate I dictate at ninety mile an hour, because I, I'm I'm a person that has I, when I was at school, I had a teaching assistant with me all the while, so I've got this kind of human response to go a human flight to go to a human, so I have access to work. I have a support worker, the amazing Paul Lock. And what is, I can send her that document. And she's pretty good at like working out what I've said. We have a thing called yellow bits because these are the bits that no one can decode and they are literally Aaron speak massively. Um, there was, was a funny bit. I went to India a few years ago and we had a day where my host had to go and do his other job, which wasn't education. It was another job, but we were in the same area. So it kind of like, it worked out really well for both of us. So I stayed in the hotel and um, I, I had to dictate a chapter for a book. And the word sexy got put into this chapter. <laughs> I had, and like the questions were asked both by my wife and by Paula. I was like, what were you looking at when you were saying it? I went, I actually don't know. I have no idea. I know I was looking out at the pool, right? But there was no one down there. And, um, and that's the thing. And it is just the way you say something. It is. There are certain, uh, my colleague John was trying to do something and it was trying to use the Apple's built in dixophone. It came up with an X rated typo. Yeah, I heard what he said. I saw what was on the screen. I could not equate the two, but somehow Siri, that's what Siri heard. Yeah, but should I tell you another little thing? So you know how you talked about, uh, um, about transcriptions earlier? Yes. So if you swear on transcriptions, it starts it out. Because it's not inclusive. So on Word Online and on Word Desktop, if you use dictation, there is a button that says, uh, uh, it says send, uh, uh, filter out sensitive phrases. It's automatically turned on. So if you swear, it will just start it out. Wow. And this is the thing again about being, so that this is where you have to have that conversation. Is, are, are we, is technology companies going a bit further than they should be? Because is that a human right thing? That you turn it off, there's no issue with it. I, I always make a joke with the teachers when I'm talking. I said, look, if you're going to be one of these teachers that wants to dictate that saucy knob, you need to turn it off. Uh, nine times a ten, I get a laugh out of that one. Or, nine, or some, you get some of them that just go, Okay, what is he on about? And it's like, you know, you know, 50 grades teaching. It's their, um... I was at a school many years ago and this teacher walked in and went, what's a CVC word? Looking very confused. And the teacher looked and went, sex. I was like, have all the words you could have gone <laughs> yeah. for. You went for sex. Okay, that's fine. It's a CVC word, it is. And it, it is. I was like, ticks the box. But yeah. that's an interesting first and one. Normally people would say the word cat. Cat or cow or yeah. something, you know, yeah, something yeah. like that. If we think, think of accessibility, we, we think of lots of reasons not to do it. Yeah. But one of the places I've seen accessibility in the real world that actually makes a benefit to everyone is when you go to a museum. Yeah. You used to have a tour guide go around, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. And you could be at the back and you can't hear or um, you couldn't understand their accent. Yeah. yeah. 
oh, I, I, I'm in Italy. He's speaking Italian. My Italian's rubbish or he's trying to speak English, but it's not great. I'm really struggling. I don't know what you're doing. Now, most of these museums, you can go there and you can pick up a pair of headphones yep. or a wand type thing. Yeah. And you either scan something or push a button. Yeah. And it will give you an explanation in your language. Yeah. And, and that is a brilliant concept and, it, and it's moving forward. Now, I would say still not accessible enough. It's not, but if you think of, for a person who thinks we don't need assistive technology, you're, yeah, yeah, it's actually, you're going, right, so you couldn't hear, you couldn't understand the language, you now have your own personal device, you can listen to it, you can push it again. What year? Yeah. Wow. You, you can re-go over things, you've removed that barrier, you can do things in your own order at your own pace. You're not having to keep up with this tour guide yeah. rushing you around the hospital. And for some, I think, students, that's probably what school feels like. Yeah, yeah, oh, definitely. We have an education system that goes too fast for our dyslexic learners. And that's definitely true. It is. And we just need to find ways to slow down. But I think the other thing about what it is, is the one thing I don't like about it is you have to pay for it. That's the thing that I find a little bit like, okay, if I was blind, if I'm dyslexic, actually, you know what? This isn't a reasonable adjustment. It's an extra cost to me because of my disability. And we can. I, I'll have a very much of a debate about the disability concept because I know a lot of dyslexics will say dyslexia is not a disability. There's been, there's a brilliant campaign by Made by Dyslexia that they've now just put dyslexia thinking into in, as a skill in LinkedIn. So when you have skills in LinkedIn, which is a brilliant concept, and I agree with that. Totally agree that that dyslexia is a strength because I use it as a strength. But as I said earlier, we live in a very literal world where we are taught to read and write. Everything has has that kind of literacy concept, which dyslexia finds pro- some dyslexia will find problems. So then, then it means we de- we are being disabled in some way because of that. And like I said, I imagine in most words, I can go, oh yeah, but it, I think when you're buying a house, we're doing anything legal. Oh, oh, that, oh. I'll, I'll, t- <laughs> I'll tell you a story. So we we, we talked. You mentioned earlier that we ran the dyslexia show. We finally did it. Um, I was probably one of the only people that went back to the dyslexia show, to went back to the NEC and said, what does this mean about this? And they went, we didn't know that was in the contract because I listened to the contract. Uh, and it was something about books and magazines and selling them. And I was like, and, and, and I was like thinking, this very sits really wrong because we have lots of resource sellers coming to the show. We wanted them to be able to sell stuff. And, um, and they went, oh, no, we'll just take it out because we actually didn't realize it was in there. And I went, that's fine. But they were quite impressed that I'd listened to the whole contract. And I listened to it quite a few times. But because I can't, couldn't read it, I wouldn't take it in. I could have it read to me, but I couldn't read it. It's this far. It's like but, and also pages long. Is If I was struggling reading it and it was point fifteen point five, I could just hold my thumb next to it on a piece of paper and hand it to someone else and go, what does that mean? Yeah. But when you're doing an audio, uh, listen to 1 minute 39. Yeah. What? Where? Huh? What? Hmm? Yeah. What part's that? And you, so yeah, there's there is is this barrier of we in certain situations we like certain communication. So a lot of time, formal legal, it's written. Yes. But what I find interesting is when you're at an event, well, the owner of car with registration DY four one blah blah blah. I'm deaf. That's my car. Yeah. Or we do lots of things yeah. where there's only one communication there is, method. Yeah. The th- the best thing I like about it now is that that uh, you have to have uh, on fire on fire alarms. They have to have strobes as well. Yes, which is a, which is a really useful thing to have uh, for people with the difficulties. 
and, and it's going back to that closed caption thing you, you said now. So how do you know when you're having a meeting with someone that someone doesn't need it? You don't. Because you're not going to ask. Unless you are doing an event where you've, where people are, where you've asked the question to be more inclusive, you ask the question, they've said they need it. So captions is a really important thing just to turn on because you don't know who's there. Yep. And that's an important thing. So to me, captions is a brilliant thing. Yeah, they're auto-generated. They're better than nothing. I've been, I, I have two instances. I went to two colleges and I've had teachers burst into tears because I've turned captions on. Because they've either been lip reading speakers or or they've or they've basically had me they've they've had to always sit at the front so they can hear it and that to me shows that technology is moving on doesn't matter who makes it as long as we are finding technology that supports people and we're using technology in the right way and there is a negativity of technology of course there is and i I don't disagree with that i i know that i see that as a parent that it's very it's a very easy thing to say here's your device go and watch your your programs on it It, it's one of the things um we have to manage that and we have to manage it in the sense that actually we're using technology professionally and and properly and that's the thing is and there's there's what things like reading coach is a prime example it is teaching people to read and there's products out there that do that that help people and that's the right way to use technology I think one of the things I've learned over the years is we all think everyone thinks the same as us. Unless you go, you're dyslexic, you're different. Oh, okay. Then you know. But generally, there's lots of pretty undiagnosed things around where people don't realise that what they do is different until someone changes something which has made their life easier. They're going, then they go, oh, this is so much easier. And then when someone looks at it, looks at modelling, they're like, oh, it's just me. So there's lots of things where I think assistive technology can make a big difference. But, yeah. Um, we had someone, so Neil McKay did a, um, a session for us a couple of years ago on our conference. Yeah. And all of our conferences are professionally transcribed, which costs quite a bit of money, but we've got to make sure we get all the acronyms right, which is a nightmare with yeah. automatic stuff. Um, but it's important to us that people, but she says she listens or watches his session, in most sessions, like a number of times. Yeah. Because she'll hear something and you start thinking about that thing, don't you? You yeah. go off on some random tangent in yeah. your head. And you've missed the next 20 minutes. So she, she watches it multiple times to get the full understanding. And I think that's brilliant. And Well, that's why we record things. Yes. The, the, the thing about what it is, it's like I've listened to people say, so we, we had this, this within, within uh, the Scout Association. So over lockdown, we, we used Zoom. And for the first few weeks, we could record the session. Now, I get the evidence that says, okay, you've got young people on there. You can't really record it because of safeguarding. And I can see that point. But we have a, a leader who doesn't have an iPad. Sorry, that's the only thing she has is an iPad. All she uses it for is to check the weather. She doesn't watch iPlayer on it. She doesn't use it for anything else. She doesn't have a computer. She doesn't do Teams, Zoom, Google Hangout. She doesn't do anything like that. Uh, she, she has. A, she doesn't even text. So having that recording to show her it is an accessible thing. Then saying turning it off purely for safeguarding, I get the argument. I accept that argument. But actually, then that's now disabling other people. And this is the thing. I've had arguments in the past. It's like, like the Equality Act is there for a reason. It's there in education. It's there in life, and it's there to put us on a level playing field. And 
we have to find ways to support everyone and that's think turning captions on is brilliant turning like like having a transcription of, of a podcast can be really good for some people it is because then they can use different formats to read it and it maybe they have to print it in a braille printer which might, would be, be amazing that'd be an interesting thing to see uh but it is let's just keep moving forward it's like let's use technology to its full advantage let's support people it doesn't matter if it's microsoft if it's apple if it's google if it's hp if it's dell people are trying to make movements but i think that for me yes i am microsoft dyslexia and send consultant so i see a lot of microsoft movement and pushing towards that with jenny lay flory as a chief accessibility officer who's deaf um satya nadella the ceo who has got who had a son with cerebral palsy, had his daughter with cognitive difficulties, he's pushing that, and employing me as a contractor that's dyslexic, and, and Rachel, my, my colleague in America, who's also dyslexic, to deliver dyslexic talks is actually a logical thing to do. It is. But actually, the biggest thing that's accessible is the thing in your pocket, that mobile phone. That phone is brilliant. And yeah. I don't like the fact that schools, a lot of schools see them as evil and dangerous. Oh. And yes, anything can be dangerous, but... It's how you teach them, but how it's how you communicate, how you teach, and how you have that open atmosphere. It's like my my last school I went to that that I that I when I was at school, um, we had no uniform, we called everyone by their first name, right, and it was a more relaxed atmosphere, and I learned more, and very much like college is. So to me, the thing now that school uniform teacher's last name for respect and concept so it's a very different concept and i think that i i understand teaching is difficult and i totally get that teachers are amazing people and they're under a lot of pressure there's a lot of things they have to do and they have a a, 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 a finite amount of resource from from funding but i think it's also a thing is when you can see some schools um, I, I know two an assist a head and assistant head they're always together. They're always looking at ways how they can use technology to support more people. And that's, to me, they're using their time wisely. They may not be in school, but they have a really good senior management team that can manage the school. But they're able to find ways to support their young people. And that's the important thing is that they're thinking outside the box. They're not closed-minded. And that's the other thing that we have to deal with is that, again, we talk about that concept of a device being expensive, going to this new device that's cost-effective and and even a touch device from uh, like an oem device like hp 350 quid 399 pound for a touch device i'm sure you can turn it over it's still not a massive amount of money yes but the more you buy the cheaper it's going to get anyway yes and the more we all buy the cheaper it will yeah, get that's right yeah and we can use technology I, I like you look at things like gdpr and stuff like that it's a nightmare having a printer is the worst gdpr nightmare especially in the world of send Right, one printer. Uh, I I love it. I I used to be. We, I think we mentioned it in the last podcast there about be, me being a on hospital radio and loving all the kit that you've got. Um, in a hospital, uh, if you print anything, you it will not it will not come out the printer until you've standing by it and you swipe your card. Yep. Because that is GDPR compliant. Because yes. You are there to pick it up and take it with you. Uh, and that is just how we have to be in schools. It's a bit more expensive, but we have to look at the positives. Basically. I think dig digital first generally makes life easier than paper. Oh, oh, massively, yeah. And there is lots of different ways. So I like my daughter's school because I hear lots of people going, we should ban mobile phones. And then my daughter was saying, oh, we're doing this on my phone. I said, what was your phone doing at your lessons? Oh, we were doing drama. We all had the script on our phone. 
It was on Google Classroom. We went to it and we all had the script in our hands so we could read. No photocopying. Yeah. No paper to clear up after the lesson. No, no. Nothing getting damaged. Everyone has their own copy. It was like, I'm loving it. And they do Kahoot quizzes. Yeah, Kahoot quizzes. Amazing. And they do lots of things or they'll just take a photograph of something. Um, and I love the fact they're embracing this piece of tech in their hand. And, and it's there. And the thing about it is, it's them being responsible with it. It is. We can all agree that we are, we can be, we can overcompensate our lives with technology in a sense that we can, we have access to content straight away. I know, I know that I have, I've realized that when I start cooking, I have to have my phone on in the background. Now I'm not a, I'm not a radio, even though I like being a radio DJ, I don't <laughs> actually like listening to the radio. It's one of the things that I, I find, I find unless I'm interested in the subject, I'm more interested in a podcast or something like that. So I will put on, uh, I, I listen to the West Wing, the uh, the program that's really old, but yep. I have on like literally on loop for all seven seasons on my iPhone. And that's the first thing I put on when I'm cooking because it's just something in the background that keeps my mind at ease. And that's what we find. But then I can also then be really bad and spend two hours watching TikTok. Uh, uh, and that, that's the thing. I'm fascinated with TikTok. TikTok is the next, is the big thing. I, w- I, I do wish that Microsoft had bought it, but that's just another story. Um, I'm not a fan of TikTok. There's lots of, um, I'm not, uh, we'll leave it that there. That's a whole other ball. That, that's that's, a, a that's, whole a, that's other, another podcast we could do later. That's a whole other thing. But to me, yeah, tech is good, it's bad. It's yeah. how we teach people to use it. And what I would say is if we think about removing the barriers for children, Correct. is yeah. we want to help them um, learn how they work. Correct. And Aaron works for Microsoft. He runs Dyslexia Show. He runs his own companies. I run B Squared. I spend my life trying to be as efficient as possible. Yeah. Yeah. So for me as a person, I'm trying to be efficient. Yeah. I'm trying to help others be efficient. And everything always comes back to tech. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And the tech, especially accessibility, has moved on phenomenally. It is. It blows my mind every time I do something. It's like there's another new free feature from Microsoft or from Apple or whoever. And I love it. And Alexa's, I love them. Um, but I think the technology has moved on. Yeah. And like I think when laptops and stuff first arrived in school and whiteboards first arrived in school, no one knew how to use them. And yeah. we're now at that point where we all need to put that effort in and learn yeah. and not be scared and not be afraid and dive in and not make excuses through not understanding and give it a go. Yeah, that's it. and that's the whole point of it is that actually there is so much free resource out there for education on how to use tech. Uh, both from Google, from Microsoft, and from Apple. Uh, Apple Teachers, Microsoft, MIE Expert, all freely available. And it is just spending a bit of time. And time is the highest thing we don't all have. As soon as we've got time, then we can then do it. And, that, and you're so right. We have to put training in. We have to put training in for more awareness of, 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 of SDN. And then we have to put more training in for awareness of how to support SDN. And technology is the thing that's there. And it's just it's just blowing our mind of what things are coming, and that's the thing that we have to do. So, you know, training. I always say when I did my when we did the training, I did the conference earlier. I training was the thing that I put in it. Training is a big thing. We have to put training in to know how to use all this software, because the downside is to some teachers, the young people are going to know it better than you do quite quickly. Because 
Yeah, that's the word way it is. It's like like thinking of my my eight year old now and thinking that when she was when she was two, she could she knew how to pinch, pinch to zoom, pinch to zoom. It's like that that's the thing. I I, I will tell you this really bad thing. We've got I I help at a scout campsite and there's a map of the campsite, uh, uh, an OS map, it on a wall. And I did the really silly thing, a really technical thing. Is it's a piece of pa- it's a piece of paper with a glass thing. Rather than just moving my head closer, I pinched a zoom with my head. I, I used the feature on my hand, and that was me thinking, you know what? I really need to stop using tech for a little while because that I, I you saw the reflective surface. It said screen. You yeah. went no like that. Yeah, yeah, but I did move my head at the same time, so I knew it was a piece of paper. But it's an, it that instant concept is. I think that's what the thing. But for me, without having tech, yeah, it's but like. But certain things are intuitive. Pinch oh, to zoom. Finger touch screens are intuitive. Yeah. The same barrier of writing, all that stuff going down your arm. Now, if you tell me, so if I move this randomly slightly rectangular object um, around on my table, a cursor moves around on my screen at the same time, and I move this random object, which is also wireless now, so really has no connection to it. I've now got this rectangle with two buttons on, which somehow links this screen on my left. And as I move it around, I can do things. There's a cognitive link you've got to understand. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got Whereas to... touchscreen, I go, well, I want that. And I touch it and it's got, yeah. yeah. There's certain tech is yeah. great and intuitive. And we've got to find what works for each person and make that easier and, and give them more access to yeah, that. That's exactly right. And that's the thing. I think that there is actually a negative to touch. And a positive, like you just said, and you just saying that made me think, because actually, does my daughter, who's an eight-year-old, know how to use a mouse? Because she's so used to using touch, right? But even my eight-year-old knows how to use dictation. And I've never taught her that. She just saw the microphone button and pressed it. She's used that kind of knowledge, that, that, that knowledge that she's already known, that it works. And to me, that's brilliant. But then you've got to use it in the right way. And that's the thing. We have to teach people to use things in the right way. Uh, and for me, I can't live without dictation. I cannot run the three or four companies that I run or do the jobs that I do without dictation because I'm not on a level playing field. I can type. I do think the other thing that school should do is teach typing. Yep. Uh, massively agree with that, that, that argument. Um, but I think that if you have that difficulty, and we, it's just basic bring down dictation to its pure level. If you're having to handwrite and, and spell a word and decode it, like we said, from going from decoding the word in your head, writing every letter, using that motor memory, using that, that, that hand-to-eye coordination to hold your pen, dictation just changes that and removes that frustration. And you can now actually hear what the person wants to say. Yeah, and, and you can articulate it. I'll tell you this last story before we finish. When I worked for the BDA, we had an online store that I managed. And we had a school that wanted uh, to put dictation software in. So they put Dragon in. It's got a whole school approach. So basically put a whole site license in. School wasn't that far away from the office. Uh, so I went to the school and helped, did some training with the teachers. And had the Senko there. And the Senko said to me, can you teach the boy we bought it for, really? And I went, yeah, of course I can. Now, she said to me, the small problem is that you, this boy is the one that's always in trouble. And she then said, and then they were sitting in the staff room and these three kids come in and shouting, red card, red card. And I was like, what's going on? And she went, oh no, that's, if anyone shouts red card, we're, they don't need to knock, they can just do it. 
And all these teachers ran out the door. Uh, and the Senko went, sorry, I think that's the boy that we're going to see in a minute. <laughs> so it wasn't, but she went out. And I, that, this is why I remember the story. And I remember going into the little room. This lad come in, look at me and go, this guy in a suit, in a jacket. That didn't look, he was like, wasn't happy. And I showed him what I did with Dragon. Dictated a sentence. He just looked at me and went, there we go. Well, yeah, of course you can. He dictated a sentence. And his demeanor just massively changed. He basically went, I can do something. I can change my life. What I heard then a few weeks later is that he wrote a letter to the head teacher thanking her. He hated the head teacher. He hated her. And he wrote a letter, dictated a letter saying thank you for buying the software. And that is the thing that actually we can change people's lives. It is. It is. I, I talked about right beginning barrier to progress. And yeah. it is. It is. If I can't do this, I will get made to feel, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll feel rubbish because I can't do it. Everyone else can. Yeah. And then behavior might come in. Yeah. So yeah. that was a perfect example that in reality, this child probably couldn't write. They want things to say. They, they could just say it, but they can't do it. Yeah. And the, the behavior goes downhill. Yeah, that's right. Actually, by putting something in, it can completely, and it's not a small completely. We are talking majorly completely oh, yeah. Yeah. change things. Yeah. And refute, refute, refute. Removing the frustration, and that's what we're doing, because that is what's causing some issues. And that thing is is just breaking it down. It's uh, it, it's just amazing. That well, um, just before we end, is the government have moved to a digital first strategy? Yeah, and you talk about it, but I think schools are paper only strategy most of the time. But one thing I've um with COVID is they've all have to jump onto this online learning. Mm -hmm. Um, and a big, my daughter's school, secondary school, big diving into Google Classroom. Yeah. Which is a brilliant product. Brilliant. And what I love about it still is that I think they've kind of moved to doing their planning and putting the resources in Google yeah. Classrooms. They kind of do that first and then do the lesson. Yeah. And, and that is the big thing that actually, don't matter if you use Google or Microsoft, we have to get our teachers on board to use it to its full advantage. I, 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 will, I always question then, then, okay, is that is Google Classroom the right thing for a secondary school? In my in my personal opinion, because how many companies are using Google? Like, if you're going to go and work for Twitter or Waitrose, yeah, they're using Google. But I love about it, Microsoft or Google is my daughter struggled with something, and she was getting onto the Y equals X squared and rearranging yeah. and balancing all that, and she didn't get it. That didn't matter because she could open up the lesson on Google Classrooms. Yeah. She could open up the thing she was working on. Yeah. And we were able to sit there and work it through. Yeah. And to me, it was like, this is brilliant. It's kind of, um, and I often, you often hear me talk about um, um, synchronous and non-synchronous communication. Yeah. So me and Aaron are having a synchronous communication. We are talking about this. However, when this goes out, this actual podcast, we're recording this uh, beginning of April. Yeah. Realistically, this won't go out till September. So that's non-synchronous. Me and Aaron have got together. We, we're having this conversation. We're sharing information with each other. Yeah. But you listening will listen to this much later in a non-synchronous way. Correct. And a non-synchronous is the most efficient. Yeah. Yeah. The whole of the West Wing cast isn't there waiting for Aaron ready to listen. No, no. They did it once and we will watch it when it suits us. Correct. And if, the more information we can share like that, the more, not only can I access it when I want, I can access it a hundred times till I've understood it. 
Yeah. I can share that and go, I don't get this. And my daughter could share it with me. And I go, what, which is it? And I used to, be, I used to love maths. I forgot, I've realized I've forgotten an awful <laughs> lot because I haven't done it for a very long time. And there's some of it I could do. And I said, all I can tell you, Maisie, there are some rules. You'll probably learn them. But it just gave her confidence. And I loved the fact that we could repeat it. And for my yeah. nephew, who uh, has dysgraphia, yeah. and he has a huge issue writing, yeah. I'll write down these, copy the spellings off the board and learn them. <laughs> wow. Literally, that's the worst thing you could do. So he could write them down correctly. He then learned them wrong. He then spelled his spelling the test. Why did he get Not because he, he learned. He did all the work, yeah. but he copied them down wrong in the first place. Yeah. If only he could just hold up a phone and take a picture of what's on the board and put it... My daughter can now do that. I know. My daughter has things that she can refer back to. And, it's and that's the way the brilliant. real world, isn't it? It's yeah. Like, it's like we go into a conference, we see something we like, we take a photo of it. Yeah. All right. We've got it in our phone to go and remember. It's how you use technology to its full advantage. You'll share it with people. Yeah. And it's, it's like, let's use it to its full advantage. Let's look at what you are doing as teachers, and teachers still love paper, but look at the real world, look at, Moving into that digital, the EHCP process is going to be digitized, which is brilliant. Various other things is, mm -hmm. um, let's look at how the world works. Let's look at how we do things. Look, at, look, when you're doing your planning, are you planning in paper or are you using Word and deleting and rearranging yeah. and doing all that? If you're doing that and it's you, why aren't schools doing yes, this? Why right. aren't we using all these tools? And the best thing I love about Google and Microsoft and various others is generally the academic stuff is completely free. And do you want to yeah. know the reasons it's free? They want them getting hooked on their product early. Hopefully, yeah. That's all it's about. They want you, the whole of that school hooked on Microsoft, so you stay Microsoft all the way through. They want you hooked on Google. It's why I think Adobe have made, Adobe is expensive, their Photoshop. Yeah. And Flash was it used to be. Amazing product, but it used to be, it is insanely expensive for businesses. It's now subscription, which is making it better. But I think they're now doing academic licensing because they've yeah. realised that they were missing out. Yeah, of course they are. And, that, and, and this is the thing you see is that I, I would probably counter that in one sense that actually when you actually have spent as much time in and out of Microsoft like I have, yes, there is probably that fundamental thing that actually more people use it, the better it is later in life so people are going to pay for it. But actually the things that Microsoft are doing and, and probably what Google are doing, Google do have an accessibility team. Yep. Um, they are seeing that benefit of changing people's life. Uh, and I think that's the thing. It's like, I, I will always, I, I love saying at the beginning of every presentation, Microsoft's mission is to empower every person, every organization on the planet to achieve more. I love saying that because I truly believe it. And I can see it because I've listened to Satya Nadella's book, Hit Refresh, so many times. And I use the word listen because I did listen to it. Um, it just kind of resonates with me personally. And that thing is that if you find a company that does that, it, it, it works. And finding ways to be accessible, finding ways to support people like, like we're all trying to do is powerful. And the same with, with teaching. We, you are all trying to change people's lives. Let's just have that support, have that senior leadership say, actually, you know what? You can use a mobile phone. You can have an iPad. You can have a tablet. You can have a Surface Go. You can have a Surface Pro. You can have a HP. You can have this to do your job and give you that extra tool to do it. Oh, and here's the training to do it. Let's change people's lives. Let's move things forward. So I'm just going to summarize reading and writing down to what they really are. Go on then. So writing isn't holding a pencil. It's not doing shaped letters. It's not doing any of that. Writing is me conveying meaning for someone else to read later. Correct. Reading 
is me understanding something someone has created earlier. Correct. That's the yeah. That's, that's it. it. That's it. That is very yeah. true. That's yeah. brilliant. There's no phonics involved. No. No. There's none of this. None of this. Mm. It is. Aaron is dyslexic. Loves books. Yeah. Yeah, I love listening to books. Don't love reading. Loves books. listening, which is still reading because you're hearing it. Yeah. yeah? That's, right. that's the thing. Listening. In a conversation, mm-hmm. you are listening, but it's a different type of skills. You're listening okay. to the way I'm saying. You're listening to, you're thinking about what, what I, I'm going to, you're listening to a book. You're still reading. Yeah. Yeah. You're thinking about, why did the character do that? Yeah. You think all those comprehension skills, just because it's coming in your ears, it's still exactly the same. Yeah. I, I always said when I was at school, why do I have to do silent reading? If you're going to read, you've got to hear it out loud. Because that you, you listen. Listening is natural. Listening and speaking is natural. Reading and writing is learned and taught. See, I am the complete opposite now in certain ways because um, my mum used to listen to audiobooks and she had the, I think it was The Hobbit Unabridged. Okay, that's long. So Unabridged is as the book is written, isn't it? Correct, yeah. Bridged is... Or, summarised. Summarised. Summarised or, or, or captioned or... Yeah. yeah, just a speech. Was, so my mum has it, and I remember getting in her car, and it was quiet because we got. I mean, she must have ended the journey at the end of a side of a tape, and we got in the car, and we, so I went side fifty nine. I was just like, "Oh my!" The hobbits went, and it was just his monotonal voice. And yeah. when I ever hear audiobooks, I remember going to my mum's office and hear his monotonal voice reading mm. these unabridged books and falling asleep. Yeah. So I can't listen to a book. I can listen to a conversational style podcast. Yeah. But I generally, I can't listen. I'll, I just get distracted with my I, head. I think it depends what book it is. That's what it is. So I, so some books I can't listen to. Uh, and you're right. It is about the voice. A monotone voice is no, 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 no. No, no. no. You've got to have that, that inflection. Um, but I do really like biography books. So biographies of people. You're dyslexic. You're not allowed to like books, Aaron. Stop it. Okay. I like audio books. That's the thing. Yeah. But that's the thing. You said to me, it's not the dyslexic people have a lot to say. Oh, massively. And you have lots of interest. It's just the very prescribed way it must be demonstrated in a school setting doesn't work. Correct. That's right. And and that thing is that we have, we, we use Lorraine's thing, we have a 21st century intake of students with a, 20, with a 19th century education system. Let's change it. Let's find different ways to do it. For those that are listening to this podcast, they're probably changing it now, and we just have to find ways to do it. And hopefully we have to change policy, and we'll, we'll see what happens. We, 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 we will have known by when this podcast out the outcome of the green paper and the white paper. Yes. Uh, in send, and we'll see what happens and see how them changes going to affect and actually if they will actually do what they say they're going to do. We don't know. So it's interesting is uh, in England, we still have our paper-based SATs. We do. Yes. In Wales, they don't do SATs. No, they don't. They do end-of-year tests on computers. Which is really interesting and fascinating. Um, And they're adaptive. So if you get questions wrong, the questions get simpler. If you get stuck getting them right, they get harder. (laughs) So it adapts. And I bet you all that assistive technology and adaptive is all in there, built in. Oh, oh, yeah. That's the thing, yeah. So... Yeah, I'm literally going, come on, we can do this. Yeah, As right. I do professional exams in IT, I do the Microsoft various qualifications. Yeah. They're all multi-choice. Yeah. I think all the accessibility is there as well. 
yeah, yeah. It could be better. I could say, be better. Could be better. But uh, and and I think that the other thing is, it's actually that's, if we're going to talk about exams, it's exam boards that ones that need to think about it. Yes, that is my that they are my that's my other bugbear with the education of our exam boards and also our exam system because it's not fair for dyslexics no. from a GCS. It's like how many of us in real life learn a subject for two years and all take the same exam on the same day? <laughs> we, no, don't, we don't. We don't in do real it. Life. Not in real life. And from a dyslexic point of view, if I've had a bad day, if I've literally, if I've like, if I've like literally. I've walked out the door and walked into the door as I walk out, walk out, I'm probably going to have a bad day. Or if I've lost my keys or lost the, uh, or lost my bike lock or something like that from when I was going to school, I'd have a bad day. And that's the other thing is, so how is that going to reflect on my exam results? It's going to affect badly on them. It is. And these are things that we have to think about in life. I think the last thing I just want to mention is my nephew who had dysgraphia. Yeah. Yeah, struggled. So he got a laptop. Great. Yeah. The problem was is... It had left something which took my sister a number of years to unlearn. Mm -hmm. And that was because he hated writing, because it hurt, Mm -hmm. because he struggled, he answered every question in as few words as possible. Yeah. Which when you come to exams at GCSE and A level, you've got to write, if it's a six-pointer, there's got to be lots of writing. Correct. But he would kind of answer all six points in a sentence. But he wouldn't be specific. But he just couldn't. And even when he was on the laptop, he had to relearn yeah. how to answer these questions. So even though we had the technology. Yeah, and that's, that is, that's an interesting thing because basically that's just that societal change. It's, it's not, been, not been thought about. It is. And actually, if you're asking a question, let's ask for the audio answer. Let's ask for the, the, the auditory answer first and then see what the, the, the written answer is. That's the thing. But the problem with exams, exams in paper, especially if you go to OCR and OMR and all that sort of stuff, they're easy, quick to mark. You're looking for certain keywords, you can do it. If you've got to listen to it, yeah. And that's the thing, it's it's quick and efficient. That's what exams are. They're the quickest and most efficient way of judging someone's knowledge. But is it? If you're a normal, typical person. If you're neurotypical and not neurodiverse. It is. It is, yeah. Even then, I would say it's probably not the best, but it's yeah. the quickest. It's what we've got. And I think it should change. Yeah. But then I think there's lots of things to change. I think project-based learning. Because you don't, when you, when you did your conference, yeah. the dyslexia show, you didn't do your math stuff no. for it half a day and then switch to your English stuff. No, no. It all went in together, didn't it? It did, yeah. And, and the thing about it is actually for me, when I was at school, like, I think was it 30 to 40% of my mark was, was coursework. And I, and I wonder what the grade now that I got then. No. This whole exam is very yeah. different. Watching my daughters go through it always quite interesting. Yeah. But you and me could talk for hours. We could do, and we've probably talked for over an hour, haven't we? Yes. Yes, we have. We've, we've gone over the hour, hour and 15 we're up to. So uh, um, so thanks for coming on the show, Darren. Um, I'm Aaron. Gonna, Aaron. Aaron. You read it wrong. There you go. You, you know, you're not dyslexic. I, I just looked it. I skim read it. You skim read it? Yeah. That's it. I, I, yeah. Darren's the other guy. You're going to talk to him yeah. another day. No, yeah, I'll talk to Darren another day. Aaron. Yeah. Um, will you um, send me some links about the reading coaches? I would. I'll send some links over to you. Because um, yes. I loved that. I did not realise Microsoft even did that. I talked to another company and found out about something. Which, but I love the fact that children can go and read to a computer, um, which is a bit like going to read into a dog. It's not judgmental, but the dog's not going to help you get better. No. But the computer will. It's a bit like when you do a spelling mistake in Word, underlines it in red. Yeah. It's that verbally, isn't it? It's that orally. Yeah. 
yeah. which is, I think is brilliant. So um, you, you do know now that if you press the right mouse button, it reads out aloud to you and reads out the different words and synonyms as well. So you can kind of get the right word. Because what did I do used to do? I used to put the biggest word in on a spell check because I can't read them. Wow. That's it's, the thing. You think a spell check is a brilliant thing. To me, I actually hated spell checks because I can't read the words. So now on Word desktop, press the right mouse button on the red on the red line. It will then allow you to read. It will give you the three words it thinks it is, and it will read them out loud and give you the synonyms to words so it knows what it is. Wow! Just get I just tech gets better every every day. I love it. Gets I do better love every it. hour because I just told you that you didn't know that one. No, no, that's the thing. And I spend my life in tech, and I'm not keeping up. Mm. So it is it is hard for everyone to keep up. But Massively. but you've just got to sit there and. Look, keep looking for new stuff and yeah. not be closed-minded. Um, so, yeah, so please send me information that. I'll put it on the show notes so when people listen to this, they can find out more about that and hopefully start using it in their school to help those reluctant readers who are yeah. worried about getting it wrong and make a difference. But it's also good for that concept of assessment because think about a reading test, and if you do as a standardised reading test, you know, do that twice a year maximum. This you can do as many times as you like with as many bits of evidence as you like to actually understand what your, what your students can read and that literacy level they're at. Yes. That's the benefit of it. And I suppose you can also do it with any book they want. Any book Rather they want. than you have to read about Larry the Lamb or some yeah, yeah. random book. Yeah, you can do it with any like, you could do any context, any text. You can do fiction, nonfiction. They, they actually have a section of their own um text that's been put into it from from the u.s and you can put your own it's just it is just brilliant that is brilliant so um you'll find the show notes on our website um which is www.thesendcast.com or you'll find the show notes wherever you're listening to this podcast so thank you for listening to the show if you haven't subscribed already please subscribe you can find links to subscribe across all the different podcast platforms we are on on the website and please follow us on social media twitter at the Sendcast on Facebook, the Sendcast, and on Instagram, the Sendcast. So all nice and simple. And please use social media to share the Sendcast with others. And before we go, I would just like to remind you to check out what we do here at B Squared, as well as this podcast. We have our online CPD platform, Trainer for Education, and you'll find a number of our guests, like Aaron, um, are either speakers at one of our conferences or recorded their own training courses. Um, and training for education is a great way to get CPD for all staff around SEND that is effective and affordable. Visit www.trainingforeducation.com for more information. And lastly, don't forget our assessment product. This is what we are known for, helping schools to show the small steps of progress pupils with SEND make. We cover a huge range from early years to post-16 and preparing for adulthood visit www.bsquared.co.uk for more information. So thank you for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode of The Sendcast. It's goodbye from me. And probably goodbye from me. Probably. Bye, everyone.